So Money Episode 763, Ali Webb, founder of Drybar. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. How many of you out there are trying to excel at just too many different things? You've got a lot of interests, many passions from which you want to profit. You know, I remember buying that book, The One Thing, that New York Times bestseller a couple of years ago. I was very ambitious trying to streamline my life, but truth be told, I was too busy with so many things. I hardly got past the first chapter. Today's guest, however, has stuck to the one thing and it has helped her create a $100 million company. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today, we're in conversation with stay-at-home mom turned multi-millionaire Allie Webb. About 10 years ago, Allie, who was a hairstylist, started a mobile blowout service where she would drive around in her car in Los Angeles, go to clients' homes, and give them a great blowout during the recession, by the way. And it was then that she realized there was a lot of demand for this service and that women were willing to pay about $40 or more per blowout. She decided that this was her time to create a salon just for blowouts. No cuts, no color, just blowouts. With the help of her brother who came on as CEO, Allie has now grown her business, Dry Bar, into more than 100 locations and over $100 million in revenue. The secret sauce, she says, is consistency. In fact, if you go to any Dry Bar today at any location, you get the same blowout with the same results, the same sense. I mean, I can hug someone and smell their hair and go, were you at Dry Bar? And you know what? They were. Allie's new podcast also launched this month. It's called Raising the Bar with Allie and Michael. She and her brother speak to budding entrepreneurs whose ideas they love. It's a brother and sister duo podcast and sounds like they have a lot of fun raving about the products, bickering sometimes, and sharing their insights as to what it takes to risk everything on a great idea in hopes of turning it into a multi-million dollar business. Sounds like they're speaking from experience. Allie's also on the show today talking about the behind the scenes of her business, her childhood, and of course, her so money moments. Here we go. Here's Allie Webb. Allie Webb, welcome to So Money. I'm a huge fan of Dry Bar. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We just moved to Brooklyn a few years ago and happy to discover that there is a Dry Bar within walking distance from my home, which I can't decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Good thing for my hair, bad thing (laughs) for my bank account. But it is uh, in reading your story of how you launched this and why you launched this this franchise of, well, not franchise, this chain of salons was to give women confidence. Hair is everything, right? A hundred percent. Yep. It really is. And I think that that's what, you know, we've, we've really built this business on was that, and, and not, and not really knowing, honestly, in the beginning of, you know, how much it was going to resonate with women, but it is this like, you know, we're selling happiness and confidence. And when your hair looks good, you know, you feel amazing. You feel like a million bucks. And so I think it's that feeling that has always that's really propelled us to success over and over again. 
you started this business after um, a few twists and turns in your career. And so I wanted you to take us back a little bit to when you got the idea and how you actually um, got the confidence and the money to start it. I understand your brother is um, very successful and gave you some startup funding and you and your husband also put in some money, about $50,000. But, um, you know, a lot of an entrepreneur's story is not just about the money, but it's about having the confidence. So how did you bridge yeah. that gap? Well, my parents had their own business growing up. So I think that was just kind of in my DNA as a kid. And I think that that went a long way in helping me feel like, you know, if they did it, I could do it. So there, there was always that. And I think that, um, it, you know, I felt like, you know, I think because of my parents and that strong foundation, I think I just had that same and I do have that same kind of like will of I can make anything happen, you know, with enough hard work. And so that was, you know, really how, uh, you know, how my mentality and, and, you know, when we were starting that first location in 2010, it was totally in the middle of a recession. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought we were kind of crazy as my parents, especially because, you know, we were, <laughs> spending like $300,000 to open up this, you know, to get this first store done. And they had, their little business was like these little kind of older lady clothing stores. And they were real like, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of schlocky and not a lot of decor, but they were, it was a great business despite that, but they couldn't believe we were spending so much money on it. But, you know, we had this vision of how we wanted it to be. But I think, you know, it, 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 it all really comes back to like, I think for all entrepreneurs is like, you just have to not be afraid to fail, not afraid to lose money. You know, it's like, those are just all the things that you put out on the line and in hopes that it'll work and it'll stick and people will love it. And I also think there was a little bit of like, I always felt like if, if God forbid it didn't work and, and it failed, I always felt like, we were pretty smart people. We would find jobs. Like our lives weren't going to be over. We would lose money, which would be be terrible, but it, it, we wouldn't die, <laughs> you know? So I, I just kind of felt like, you know, we, there's, there's no reason not to do it. I think was my mentality. You started this uh, driving around at people's homes before you had the store in Beverly Hills. You had like a, you're driving around and knocking, you know, going to women's homes and setting up appointments, doing their hair in their home. This is a concept that I guess is not new to us anymore. But there was a time when this was kind of a nuanced thing. And you said during a recession, people really wanted this. What, what do you think that said about like how we were appropriating our money during the recession? We were still into like treating ourselves. Well, I think what happened was women were cutting back so much on their their services, you know, getting massages that were really expensive, getting paying for cotton color that was, you know, upwards of three, four hundred dollars. Like I think everybody was like, you know, a little chilling out on that front and like pulling back on those type of expensive services where you know, when we came along it was thirty five dollars for a blowout and that was, you know, almost nine years ago it was like, oh, okay, this is something that like will break the bank and I can get a blowout. It can kind of camouflage the fact that I need color, you know, or the fact that I need a haircut or whatever it is and give me that like boost of confidence for not a lot of money. So I think that was really what, why it worked so well, because it was like this indulgence. It was like an affordable luxury and an indulgence that you could take part in without having to feel like you were spending all this money. 
you know, which is why I think it, it worked and took off. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. I wonder how, what it would have been like, not in the middle of a recession, but, <laughs> you know, regardless, we, you know, we, we just struck a chord with women and, you know, the price point was right. The branding was great. People, you know, it was an experience. And, I, and, and again, this is almost nine years ago. So it just was like, I think retail was a little stale, you know, it was like, people weren't like capitalizing on the experience. And that's what we did just because it was something like I personally wanted and dreamt of, you know, I mean, as a kid, I, I, you know, I'm a longtime hairstylist. I've been doing hair for 20 years, but, and I grew up in South Florida where, you know, it was like the land of frizzy hair because there's so much moisture in there. And, you know, I dreamt of a place like dry bar. It was so hard to get a blowout as a kid. And, even though that probably sounds silly to a lot of people, I just had very unruly curly hair that I hated. And I would like just try to figure out how to get like my mom's hairstylist to blow out my hair, but it was expensive, you know? So, you know, I think dry bar was something that, you know, a lot of women wanted and needed and didn't necessarily know that they wanted and needed. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like what Steve Jobs says, like nobody really knew they needed the iPhone (laughs) until it arrived. And we were like, I just used that analogy. Yeah. I just (laughs) used that analogy yesterday because it's so true. I think that there's you know, it, it's hard, but I think that like discovering something that people want, but they don't know that they want, you know, and, and a lot of that I think comes from personal necessity. I mean, again, for me, I, I dreamt of a place like driver, like, why doesn't this exist? You know, it's like our grandmothers and grandmothers generation, they would go to the beauty parlor, they'd hang out, they'd get their hair cloth, they wouldn't touch it for a week. And, and then it was like, it was like this experience, this ritual that they did every single week. And somewhere along the line, that behavior became like, you know, hairstylists didn't want to do blowouts because they just wanted to do cuts in color, understandably, because that's where there was more money. So again, somewhere along the line, it away, this, this like behavior of going to the beauty parlor once a week. And I think we kind of brought that, modernized that and brought it back. Did you ever think it was going to be as big as it is now? A hundred million dollar business? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, what, what, if you could go back in time 10 years ago, what's some advice that you would tell yourself then? Well, no, I didn't think it was going to take off the way it has. I mean, at, at the time when we were starting the business, and as you know, my, my brother and my husband, both who were bald, um, <laughs> they were my business partners, but they were, <laughs> They were operating, uh, you know, they, my husband was a creative director at a big advertising agency, hence the great branding and marketing. And my, my brother was the business side of things that he was at, uh, he was running his own like real estate marketing company at the time. And, and this was going to be like my livelihood and that, you know, and that was it. So none of us, it was such a risk. It was such a gamble. I mean, I think my brother agreed to give me the money because he saw, the success I was having for my mobile business. So I thought like, yeah, maybe, maybe a shop like this works in LA. You know, we, we so severely underestimated what the demand was going to be. And, and frankly, what the opportunity was going to be. I mean, we just did not know <laughs> by any stretch, there was no business plan. There was no outline. There was no like plan for growth. None of that because it was like, and also my kids were like three and five. So I was still like, my plan was to, you know, run the shop, pick up my kids from preschool and like that would be my life and you know I none of us none of us um could have seen all of this coming you know I mean obviously we're over the moon and our lives completely turned upside down in in the best way but it was definitely a big you know no one was more surprised than we were 
now you have a podcast on top of everything else. Um, why a podcast? And what's your goal with um, with hosting this? I, fi- I have found that, you know, in the eight years, eight plus years, you know, we've been operating Jai Bar and we've had, you know, a, a decent amount of success. And I, there's just so many people who come to me daily with, you know, wanting like to sit down and have coffee for 15 minutes and they have, or they have a business idea or they want me to invest in something or there's, you know, you name it. I get people coming kind of from all walks of life asking for advice and, you know, guidance and mentorships and all of that. And, And my brother, Michael does as well. And, you know, as much as I would love to sit down with every single person and say like, here's what I think, take it or leave it, you know, it's obviously not feasible. So that. Plus the fact that, you know, obviously, as you know, podcasts have become just kind of the thing and everybody really is getting, deriving different information and there's just so much out there that can be, you know, that you can get from a podcast that I felt like, you know, maybe this is a good platform for my brother and I to really experiences with dry bars, with dry bar and, you know, what we've learned, the failures we've had plus bringing on other entrepreneurs to our show who have, you know, people like, you know, Candace Nelson, who, you know, started Sprinkles to then people you've never heard of who are in the middle of trying to start their own business and us, you know, giving advice, sharing stories and, you know, sharing stories of how, what we learned in dry bar and, and then how we can apply that to their business and help them. And, and it's been really fun. I mean, the, we have, you know, we've talked to so many amazing people and there's always like one or two things that we end up kind of honing in on all together about like, you know, where their pain point is, where they feel like they can improve. And, and it's almost a little therapeutic. And, and then there's a really kind of funny banter between my brother and I, because we could not be more different as people. I mean, he is, <laughs> he, he is so like, I, I'm so like, everything happens for a reason. And I believe in like, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to. And I'm a little more like out in the clouds and he's like, you know, very like, no. he has his Excel you spreadsheet know. and you're exactly doing a vision board. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we just, we come from everything with such a different perspective that I think it's, it's kind of a fun, it's, it's fun to like, you know, and we kind of argue on the podcast too about like what we think and we disagree and, um, and it's all, you know, fun and in good spirits, but it's, it's been really fun. And we, you know, we really, enjoy it and it's fun to talk to other people we get really excited and we're like oh we want to invest in that business or we think this is great or why aren't they doing this and so it's, it's been a lot of fun the show is called raising the bar with Allie and michael and it launched on july 25th we'll include a link over on our site as well i think a part of what also makes your business really successful dry bar and you mentioned sprinkles for example you know businesses and i've profiled a lot of small businesses and big businesses but when you focus on the one thing Right. You don't try to be a jack of all trades or do a host of a suite of products at first, at least that you really just identify one need and fill it or one product and deliver it. Um, Were you tempted to try to do more than just uh, blow dries or uh, was it always about the one thing? It was always about the one thing. And I I always felt that. And as you can imagine, been asked over the years by so many people, if we would ever consider, you know, adding makeup or manicures or whatever. And while I've always understood the desire, because as busy women, we're, you know, the efficiency of being able to get a manicure and a blowout at the same time, like I get it, like that seems really nice. But 
but bigger than that, and more importantly to me, is you know, is focusing on one thing and being really the best at it. And I, and I think that experience came from you know being in the salon industry for so many years and working, you know, seeing so many different hairstylists. And there was, in my you know, my view anyway, there was there was like hairstylists who were either great at cuts or great at color. And I always just felt like you you can't possibly be the best at both of those things. And I think I, that just kind of always stuck with me as like, you, you, you hone in on what you're really great at. And I think that was kind of what the guiding, you know, like was for me with dry bars. Like I, I have spent what feels like a lifetime perfecting blowouts from the time I was a little girl, you know, to working in all the salons I've worked in to running dry bar. Like I really feel like I have, I really understand like what makes a good blowout, you know, and what makes a bad blowout and everything in between. So I've always had this very firm, like we're never going to do anything else. And, you know, we've had our investors and everybody like question it and ask. And, and I've said the same thing. This is just, this is our point of difference. This is what we do best. And to try, you know, to add other services, I think would almost be the kiss of death for us because it would take away from our focus of, of you know, being the best in this space and that blowout, which takes so much time and money and energy and it's ongoing. It never stops. So you know, I just, I just, we would never do it. <laughs> well, I do notice that in, in, at least in New York City, I find that Dry Bar is often located near or in the same neighborhood as like a Soul Cycle or um, a gym. Because obviously, if you're leaving the gym or you're leaving a workout, perfect, perfect foot traffic yeah. for, you know, getting a yeah. blowout. Uh, totally. But, I mean, that's the key thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. That, so was that intentional? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we always look for, you know, we want to be in an area where women, out, you know, whether it's they're working out and, you know, of course we love being next to soul cycle, especially because they have showers, you know, so you can get, you know, and that's, that's big behavior. And especially in New York, it's like, you go to soul cycle, you work out, you sweat your ass off and then you take a shower and walk across the street to dry bar. I mean, that's like the perfect morning, right? I mean, when those women are starting at like 7am they're in dry bar by, you know, 8.15, and then they have the rest of the day. So that is, is something that we definitely look for. It's like soul cycle, um, you know, manicure places, places you can shop, places you can grocery shop, places, you know, you can have lunch with your friends or whatever, you know, there's a lot of different makeups of those kind of daily use areas, but that is always what we're, we're looking for is like, you know, we just want to kind of ease into your day and make it, you know, super convenient and easy for you to like pop over and get a blowout, you know, where because you're already in the area. Allie, what is your money philosophy uh, when it comes to your personal finances? You know, how do you kind of think about spending or saving or budgeting? What's your approach to money? Well, it's certainly changed <laughs> over the years, <laughs> as you might imagine, but I... You know, I mean, it's funny because I have friends who I like, I, I mean, listen, disclaimer, I, I am not the money part of things. Like nobody wants me in accounting or doing payroll or anything like that. However, you know, I mean, math is never my <laughs> my strong suit. But, you know, I, I definitely, my, my husband, Cameron, who's my other, you know, partner in this, he's, he's always much more responsible with money. And it's funny because when I was a stay at home mom and I, before, you know, before dry bar, before I started my mobile business, you know, he had a good job. He worked at an advertising agency. So, you know, we had, we had a decent amount of money, but 
you know, we couldn't like live outside of our means. So I, he made me download an app on my phone, which I can't remember the name of it now, but there's so many of them like budgeting apps where, you know, every time I spend any money, I, I put it into my little budget app. And that was like, I knew how much I could spend for the month. And I, you know, after I went grocery shopping or, or went shopping for my kids or whatever it was, it all got deducted and there would be like a total at the bottom. And I, I really followed that for years because you can't spend money you don't have. I mean, that was, you know, we've, we're, we've never been big credit card people. We've always used like American Express where you have to pay it all off every month. And so, you know, we've, we've always been very responsible when it comes to that. I mean, I think that that didn't come naturally to me. You know, my parents, they had their own business. It was a cash business. So, you know, my parents, I think, spent money a little more frivolously than that. So it was definitely an adjustment. But it it was something that, like, made my husband sleep better at night. Like, I knew I wasn't going outside of our means. So, you know, I think that that is probably my my philosophy. I mean, things have, have changed and we've had a lot of success. And so there's, you know, there's a little more room to play with now. But, you know, we are very responsible when it comes to money and, you know, making sure that we're not going outside of our means. And I, I think that's what, unfortunately, a lot of people do super successful and who are, you know, just getting started, you know, you just can't go outside of what, what you have is, is kind of, I think always been a, my personal hmm. philosophy, which can be hard. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And problem. you're uh, based in LA. And yeah. the culture there is like New York. I mean, it's a very spendy culture and people like the finer yeah. things in life out there. Um, take us back even further. You mentioned a little bit about your parents and your upbringing, but curious to know if there was a specific experience that you had around money as a kid growing up that has stayed with you all of these years. So our sponsor for the show is Chase Slate, and they have done a study and they found that over half of parents have spoken to their kids about money. Um, so that could it be an experience like that or something else that really Im- impacted you? Well, I think it was more, you know, unfortunately more negative because for, for my parents' business, it was retail, it was clothing. Their their business very much depended on the season. There was definitely an off season, which was pretty much summer, where the business would take kind of a nosedive, and it 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 stressed my dad out beyond belief. And it was like always a little bit of a damper because when when it was in season, you know, it was just a very different story around our house and how much you know we were spending and living it up and whatever. And so. I, you know, I think I saw that as a kid, how my parents didn't, you know, I mean, love, I love my parents dearly and they, I think they did a great job, but with me, <laughs> but you know, there wasn't a lot of like, let's, let's put some money away for the summer when things get really bad. And there, there wasn't that balance of, you know, that responsibility. I think that I didn't, you know, that I, it was just really stressful in the summer, you know? And, and I think that, that it's funny too, fast forwarding, cause like my brother who's you know, the, the business guy, I remember when we were older and he was trying to get my parents, you know, to, to invest in different things and start a 401k and the things that like my parents had never thought about. So, you know, I, I never knew or thought about that stuff either until I got older and, you know, my brother would advise me and then my husband and, you know, other people in my life. But I think that was, I think that was more of, of the experience that I had as a kid was like, 
you know, getting things would get bad. And so we were, you know, and there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it unless we had, my parents had kind of planned better. So I think that was probably my biggest learning as a kid. Mm. Uh, so now you're, you're obviously in a, in a, richer state uh, than you were like 10 years ago. What would you say when you first kind of made it big, like you, you, the business was doing really well, you had a great year, one of your best years. What was a way that you treated yourself or a way that you upscaled your living because of the fact that you were now making more? Well, I think it's, I think it's it's probably a a lot of things. I mean, I think that like, allowing myself to buy like some designer clothes, <laughs> you know, or a designer bag. I think my very first, I think, I think my, my brother actually brought, bought me for Christmas, like five years ago, like a Celine bag. And it was like the first like designer bag I ever had. And, you know, and I, I, I you know, I still can't make myself like buy things that are so outrageous because I just feel like it's so silly. Um, but, you know, I think overall our, you know, there's, there's more, you know, flexibility. And I, I definitely, like you said, out there's a little bit of a spending culture out here. I think, you know, I'm 43 years old and my whole life I've been on a budget. And so I think I've, you know, taken advantage of the fact that there is a little bit more now. And I, you know, try to, you know, we go out to more dinners and, you know, we, we just decorated our, you know, a new house that is, I feel like my first like adult house and spent money on art and furniture and things that like we just hadn't done in the past. So it's been very humbling and we're so grateful you know, for all these things that we're, you know, we can now afford. I mean, it still makes my husband like rub his forehead and get nervous, but, um, <laughs> cause you just feel like, you know, uh Oh, like, will it end? You know? So it's, <laughs> you know, I think I will always have that mentality of like, you know, don't, don't overdo it, you know, which I, which I think is a good thing to have. What's interesting about your relationship is like you went from being, um, your husband was the breadwinner, you were the housewife and now your business partners and maybe even for a while you were out earning him, um, how has that dynamic been for you too? I wrote a book called When She Makes More. So I'm well aware of some of the, comp, you know, sort of the, yeah. the, the complexities that are that happen in a relationship when the script is flipped, the traditional script is yeah. flipped. So anything on that front that you can share that maybe was a learning experience? Well, that, that definitely was a thing, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that it, it was, I, I feel like, the money was definitely a part of it, but I also feel like it was more emotional, you know, as you probably know and can understand. It was like, you know, my brother, my husband had always been the breadwinner and had this like big fancy job in advertising and all that. And then, you know, Drybar started and I was, you know, in very high demand and I was doing, you know, everything in this business was my idea and my baby. And so it was like, it, it, it was a shift for all of us to get comfortable with that. And I was traveling all the time. So, you know, my husband was home with the kids. And so it was, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, and I think that like the fact that my husband is such a like secure guy and not very, not very ego driven made it okay. But there was like a little bit of, um, 
I don't know what the right word is. I, I, I wouldn't say animosity, but just a little bit of like nose out of joint, um, you know, to like kind of the, the playing field didn't feel as level and it was like a big adjustment. And, and I didn't even like think about that until it was kind of upon us. And then I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm the one that's traveling. I'm the one that's super busy now. It was definitely a, 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 a switch. And I think it took him a minute <laughs> or two to get comfortable with that and maybe some therapy <laughs> that, but, you know, it turned out. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for being honest. I also read that you were saying your your kids, they're older now, but for a period of time, they wanted you to be a stay-at-home mom. And you're like, that's not happening. <laughs> well, and I, and I was a stay-at-home mom, you know, for the first five right. years of my older son's life. And um, yeah, you know, I just, I just, I remember like talking to my kids and I've said this to them before that like, it, you know, I also need to be happy in my life. And like, I do all, we do all this stuff for you to make your, you happy and make your life, you know, fulfilled and rich and, and all that. Like it's, you know, for me to be a good mom, I, you know, I need to do things that like make me feel fulfilled and, and happy. And, you know, obviously they, they under, they understand that more now because they're a little bit older, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a really big believer in being like super open and honest and upfront with your kids. And so I, I always told them that, you know, I always kind of explained to them when they would say to me, like, Oh, like we wish you were home more and blah, blah. And I, you know, and that's hard. And you know, you, I think as like a working mom, you have to find that balance and do the best you can. But I think being really honest with your kids and saying like, listen, this is, this is important to me personally, then, you know, I, I would appreciate your support in it. And, you know, my kids always kind of got it, you know, and, and it's always, you know, there's been hard days and times where it was, it was not as, you know, good, but, but, but again, I think it's, it's as a, as a mom, I feel like I just, I always made sure I was there for like, the big important things to my kid. And I would ask my kids so many times, like if there was something going on in school, you know, and I'd say like, is this important to you that I'm there? And sometimes they'd say yes. And sometimes they'd say no, you know, and they'd be like, nah, I don't care if you come to this mom. And some things they'd be like, yeah, will you please come to this? You know, and it would mean moving my entire schedule or, you know, putting a lot of other people, you know, at an inconvenience so I could do it. But also one of the great things about having your own business is that you have that flexibility. So you know, figure it out. That's a good bit of advice. Ask your kids how important it is for you to show up. <laughs> Some things yeah, just it's, don't, it's interesting yeah. how my kids have, have said to me before, like there are things that I would think are so important to them. And they're like, no, I don't really care about that. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, that's good to know. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up here before we go though. I know you're super busy. Let's do some, so many fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you just finish it with whatever first thing comes to mind. All right. Oh, so, <laughs> um, you are, th- this first question may not apply because I feel like you've already won the lottery in some ways with your business, but let's say you did win like the lottery and you um, amassed, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in a day. What would you do? What's the first thing I would do is. Oh my God. Um, uh, there's so many things. Um, I mean, I know I'm not, I know this sounds very politically correct and I'm not just saying it, but I feel like, and, and sorry for the sidebar, but my, my younger son goes to a school that's like very catered for kids with like learning differences. I feel like I would 
I would, I would figure out a way to open more of these schools because it's the, it's the best thing that ever happened to my son. And I wish more kids could experience it. So that would be number one. Awesome. I love that. All right. This is a fun one. The, the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is a housekeeper. Yes. <laughs> Does she come every day or every week? Like what's the, what's the fr- frequency? She comes every day, but you know, and I remember a time when we, we had a housekeeper once a week and then we upgraded to twice a week and then we upgraded to three times a week. And it was like, truly like, and kind of to your earlier question, like, like that was like the moment where I was like, I am, I'm fucking lucky. <laughs> like I can have somebody come every day and like deal with my house. And when I get home after a long day, I don't have to. So nice. that's, that's such a luxury that I'm so incredibly grateful for. We've often heard having a housekeeper or someone clean my house is the answer to this fill in the blank, but every day is so freaking money. And I know what you mean because like I, my housekeeper comes every two weeks and for a while it was every week. And then we were like, that's ridiculous. Let's do it every two weeks. But really I need it every day (laughs) with two kids and so much stuff. And I want someone to do laundry. And I mean, there's just, it's, it's really like you need another member of your household. Well, that's just the doing thing that. is like, we, we really looked for somebody who was like, can she, she's, you know, she's our housekeeper, but she also is like slash nanny. And so she helps us with the kids and drives the kids around when we can. So she's kind of like, she's like this other like mother. I mean, she's like mm. this catch all like amazing and she's amazing. And we love her so much. She is like family to us. And, you know, she just helps out with our lives are so crazy and hectic. And, you know, when I get home at the end of the day, like, I want to see my kids and hang out with my kids. I don't want to be cleaning and doing laundry, which I know how that might sound, but it's, it's a luxury that is something that I feel like, you know, in my, you know, mid forties, I I've earned. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I'm, I'm all with that. When I get my lottery ticket, I'm going to also uh, invest in that. All right. Next <laughs> is when I donate, I like to give to blank because. Um, I feel like I, I've been donating a lot to a lot more causes, but I baby to baby is, is probably my biggest one. Um, it's a, you know, it's a local, well, it's kind of gone all over, but locally in, in Los Angeles, there's so many families who don't have the means to buy diapers and the, you know, the essentials. And so I've, you know, I've really, I think what they're doing is so great. So I've, I donate a lot, a lot of time, money, you know, dry bar does a lot with them, but baby to baby is probably my biggest charity. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is. I I wish I had learned how to, you know, balance and and be a little bit more responsible with money. Um, Yeah, I would, I would say that even though I think it was okay, I, I think I probably could have learned a little bit more. I wish I had like taken a finance course too, just to really understand what I've learned in, in, dry bar and all we've done. Do you think that it gets easier the more money you make, even if you are somebody who's not good with budgeting or that it still presents itself as a problem? That it doesn't matter. Even if you're making a lot of money, you're still going to be a little, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be off balance. Do you find that even though you your income has increased year over year, that it's uh, sometimes, you know, the, the lack of like a good financial base is hard. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that you, you have to, I, I talk about it all the time that you have to, you know, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and know things that you don't. And, you know, we have a lot of people now around us who help us and advise us with money because, you know, you don't want to like piss it all away. And you hear too many stories of people who, you know, are frivolous with their money and don't like watch what they're spending. And, and so, yeah, I think it, you know, it definitely can be hard. And I think it's like, you know, the stakes just become higher and you think you can, you know, live a life that maybe you can't totally live, you know, it's not like, I mean, it's not like we're, you know, we're not, we're doing, a, it's not like I'm like flying private planes everywhere. I mean, <laughs> if I was trying to do that, I would have no more money. You know right. what I mean? It's like, you, you have, it's, it's all relative, but you have to be you know, responsible for wherever you are. Exactly. All right, Allie, last but not least, I'm Allie Webb. I'm so money because. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, I don't know, because I'm making the world a better place one blowout at a time. I love it. I didn't even say this, but I'm getting a blowout at three (laughs) o'clock today. Amazing. Dry bar porn Yay. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the podcast. I'm very excited for you and, um, and we'll be following you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Allie for coming on. To learn more about Drybar, go to thedrybar.com. Allie's on Twitter at Allie Webb. That's two L's, two B's. She's also on Instagram with the same handle. The podcast is called Raising the Bar with Allie and Michael. If you missed any of this, don't worry. You can go to somoneypodcast.com for the links, for the transcript, for the audio. And we'd be happy to give you all of that for free. Just make sure also, if you have a question for me for the Friday episodes, that you click on Ask for News and leave a question there. And as always, head on over to Instagram where you can follow me and ask me questions on the go. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.